This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the Built by Bama online podcast, and it is daybreak for Monday, July the 13th, 2020. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, with you here on the podcast three mornings per week. And it was supposed to be a Monday edition of the podcast featuring a lot of anticipation. We were supposed to be in Atlanta today for 2020 SEC Football Media Days. You were supposed to hear from Florida head coach Dan Mullen today. LSU head coach Ed Orgeron today, first-year head coach at Missouri, Eli Drinkwitz. But alas, it was not meant to be. Thanks to the COVID-19 pandemic, we are very much in pause mode as we anticipate a 2020 college football season. Hope you had a great weekend. I know I needed a weekend. I'm sure you did, too, after the bombshells that we all endured from about the middle of last week through Friday I've never maybe looked so forward to a couple of days of no news in my entire life. It was kind of understood that the Ivy League was going to have some big news in relation to its own conference on Wednesday of last week, whether that was going to be an outright cancellation of the football season in the Ivy League, perhaps moving its season back to the spring. But on the heels of the latter where it comes to the Ivy League, I don't think anyone, including the Southeastern Conference, the Pac-12, the Big 12, or the ACC anticipated the Big 10 going as quickly in the direction that it did, announcing that it would, in fact, opt for a conference-only schedule in 2020. The Pac-12 soon behind there with the Big 10, and obviously that was big news. That resonated within the Southeastern Conference because, of course, Alabama and Southern California were set to meet there at Jerry World in Arlington, Texas on September the 5th. That's not going to happen now. And so we sort of peer out of this bunker, we've assumed, in the last few days and are wondering if it's okay to come out at this point because the expectation is for the SEC to get together its member schools and make perhaps a call of its own in terms of the potential or the possibility for conference only play along the lines of what you're going to see from the Pac-12 and the Big Ten now. There's been some hopeful banner in perhaps relation to, well, since Southern California and the Pac-12 are going to play conference only games in 2020 maybe tcu could slide into that september the 5th game maybe there could be an alliance between a couple of conferences maybe the sec and the big 12 could pair up because with the power five schools you have a much better chance of getting protocol alignment in place you're not going to be able to do that with schools like georgia state and Kent State, and certainly Tennessee Martin. I think it's idealistic. It's fun to talk about. But really, if we were going to go that route with an alliance with another conference, wouldn't the SEC be better served to pair up with the ACC? I mean, in the process, you'd be able to maintain some pretty significant rivalries between the two leagues. 
Sure, you'd love to see Alabama TCU. You've got Tennessee and Oklahoma scheduled for week two there in the Big 12. And it sounds like Oklahoma is actually trying to now get its non-conference opener moved up a week to August the 29th. And that would give the Sooners a bye week between its group of five opener and the Tennessee Vols headed to Norman there on September the 12th. You've also got Baylor, Ole Miss to consider there. But again, rivalries when you get SEC and ACC teams together, especially on that Thanksgiving weekend, whether it's South Carolina and Clemson, Florida and Florida State, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Kentucky and Louisville, even in the early season this time around, you had SEC and ACC matchups like Auburn and North Carolina, Georgia and Virginia. So if you're going to think about sort of a pie-in-the-sky scenario where the SEC paired up with another league, it would make a lot more sense for the ACC than with the Big 12. So with the expectation being more along the lines of the SEC following suit with the Big 10, with the Pac-12, and looking more at a conference-only schedule for the upcoming fall, does that consist of just eight league games? Do you perhaps go to 10? If you go to 10, what's the formula that you use to determine two extra out-of-division opponents for teams in the SEC if you're Alabama? Are you looking at perhaps a manner in which you would go with a couple of the teams from the East that Alabama has gone the longest without having played in the regular season? If that's the approach for Alabama, that would be Florida, who came to Tuscaloosa in 2014, Kentucky, was an opponent in the regular season for the Crimson Tide in 2016. Missouri was here in Tuscaloosa for homecoming in 2018. You have Tennessee on an annual basis. You already have Georgia on the 2020 schedule from the East. And of course, Alabama went to South Carolina just last season. That would make the most sense to me. And I think also in terms of competitive balance, haven't done the legwork on every team in the SEC and how that would work out with that type of approach. But I can tell you, if Alabama ends up with Florida on its schedule to go along with Georgia and Tennessee from the east, even the Bama fatigue folks might need a break. Something we'll get into coming up here on the podcast in just a few minutes. If it does come down to a conference-only schedule, how does Alabama's returning roster stack up in that manner? Just from SEC play a year ago, we'll run down some of the areas on offense and defense and special teams where there should be reason for optimism if you're Alabama, if it is in fact a conference-only slate for 2020, and some areas where Alabama will definitely need to pick up the pace a bit if we go in that direction. So we'll take a break here on a Monday edition of Daybreak. If you haven't already subscribed to the Built by Bama online podcast, We would certainly love for you to do that wherever you consume your podcast. You can find the Built by Bama online podcast, whether that's Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Leave us a rating and a review while you're there. We would appreciate that as well. Going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll look at this 2020 Alabama team from a conference-only perspective. That and more when Daybreak returns on the Built by Bama online podcast right after this. Selling a little... Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
from the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. All right, so let's take a look at what an Alabama team, based on SEC play only from 2019, projects to look like for the 2020 season, which at this point could consist entirely of SEC play. And let's do so by starting on the offensive side of the ball. And if you're going to do that, you're probably going to begin with Najee Harris getting a lot of preseason love as an SEC offensive and or outright player of the year candidate. Najee with over 1,200 rushing yards in 13 games a year ago. That comes out to just under 100 yards per game. And when you look at Harris's production in SEC play a year ago, 99 yards per contest on the ground for Najee Harris as a junior. That ranks first among returning SEC backs. Kylan Hill of Mississippi State just behind Najee there. Then you have Rakeem Boyd of Arkansas. Interestingly enough, it's actually a quarterback from a year ago who ranks as the SEC's overall returning leading rusher. And John Rice Plumley of Ole Miss, 113 yards per game on the ground for the sophomore signal caller over in Oxford, including a 100-yard game here in Tuscaloosa against the Alabama Crimson Tide. Circling back to Najee real quick before we move on, very impressive as a receiver, as we know, in 2019. 27 catches for 304 yards and seven touchdowns in 13 games. Now, conference-specific, when you just look at league play, even more impressive. 24 of his 27 receptions a year ago in league play, 275 of his 304 receiving yards came against conference opponents, and five of his seven receiving touchdowns also on SEC weekends. As we've talked about many times before, you combine Najee Harris with an offensive line that returns for starters, and you like the potential for Najee Harris to even up that number from a year ago, get into triple digits per game in conference play when it comes to the rushing attack. And you also like that offensive line that you bring back because it's a group 
that had a lot to do with Alabama allowing just a little bit more than one sack per game in conference action a year ago. That ranked tied for first with the University of Georgia in that particular area. Speaking of the passing game, you moved to the quarterback position. And with Tua Tonga-Vailoa moving on, you're talking about replacing a guy that in 15 career SEC starts over the last two seasons, 294 passing yards per conference game for Tua. And he was pulled early in more than a few of those and didn't finish, as we know, because of injury, the Tennessee and Mississippi State games. And in large part because of those injuries, you saw more of Mac Jones as a redshirt sophomore in 2019 than you figured you would see. And the silver lining in all of that is that Mac Jones ended up making those four starts a year ago, including two in conference play against Arkansas and Auburn. In those games, Mac Jones averaged 285 passing yards per contest. And so his yards per game average in SEC play, a little bit skewed by the fact that most of what he did, the majority of what he did was in relief of Tua Tonga-Vailoa. But again, those two impressive starts against SEC Western Division opponents in both the Hogs and the Tigers. Consider the losses at the receiving positions with Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs, the third moving on to the National Football League. But you do welcome back your leader, in receiving yards, receiving touchdowns from a year ago, and that extended well into SEC play when you talk about Devontae Smith. 122 receiving yards per game in conference play a year ago. Of course, the monster outings against both Ole Miss and LSU factored heavily into that. Nearly 1,000 receiving yards for Devontae Smith in SEC play alone in 2019, and 10 of his 14 Touchdown receptions from a year ago came against SEC opponents. Now, Jamar Chase, by comparison, just an insane, insane year in 2019. Jamar Chase averaged 142 receiving yards per game in conference play and 16 touchdown catches in nine SEC games. That's including the SEC championship game against Georgia. Elsewhere for Alabama, Jalen Waddle back after just 19 catches in eight SEC games a year ago. Obviously, you expect that number to go up a great deal. Waddle turned those 19 grabs against SEC opponents into five touchdowns a year ago, averaging 33 yards receiving per game. So we'll move over to the defensive side of the ball, and that's obviously where Alabama fans are going to have their biggest concern. I guess you could say one of the positives from a year ago is that so many of these guys were put in position where they had to play, and that starts with your tackles leader from 2019. Shane Lee is a true freshman, averaged nearly seven stops per game in SEC play, which was more which was more per game against SEC opponents than either Dylan Moses or Mac Wilson produced in 2018. You look at tackles for loss, most of that production leaves with Anthony Jennings and Terrell Lewis now in the National Football League. Those two guys combined for 18 TFLs in SEC play in 2019. As far as returnees are concerned, Christian Barmore up front on that defensive line and Christian Harris, another one of those true freshman linebackers from a year ago, they're back after posting four TFLs apiece in 2019. Those are your returning leaders. Sacks, that's another area where you're going to fill the losses of Jennings and Lewis. 
You had nine combined sacks for those two guys in SEC play a year ago. Might surprise you to know that Shane Lee, when you talk about returning sack leaders in conference play only for Alabama, Shane Lee's that guy with two and a half from a year ago. Obviously, when you talk about pass rush, you're going to be expecting some emergences from guys on the edge, like maybe King Wakuda, maybe Christopher Allen takes his game to another level in his fourth year in the program. Some newcomers could obviously impact that number as well with Will Anderson, Chris Braswell, Drew Sanders, and those dynamic newcomers joining the mix. You're also going to expect more out of Barmore, certainly, in that area when you start considering defensive line candidates to go along with Justin Aboigby and Byron Young and DJ Dale. And that's going to be important because it could very well impact this next area we're going to talk about, and that's interceptions. Seven of Alabama's league-high 17 overall picks from a year ago came in Southeastern Conference play. In terms of returnees, there's Shane Lee again. He and Patrick Sertan II, the junior corner, contributed one apiece to that total in 2019. So again, another area heavy on newcomers for the upcoming season. That's where you're going to expect guys like Josh Job, Jordan Battle, and then otherwise a lot of greenhorns going to have to contribute to get Alabama's number back to where it was overall in interceptions for the 2019 season. Some specific areas of this defense that are going to have to improve, and we talk so much about pass rush and uh, defensive back play, but rush defense is really, again, where it all started for Alabama in 2019. UA, a year ago, 10th in the league in conference play when it came to defending the run, allowing 162 yards per game in conference play on the ground. For some perspective on that, the worst Alabama had ranked in that area in the last 10 years was third, and that was back in 2010. Seven straight years from 2011 to 2017, Alabama checked in first among league defenses in Rush D in its two losses last season to LSU and Auburn. Alabama gave up five of its nine rushing TDs that it allowed in the 2019 season. Kind of a double whammy, too, because if you're not taking care of business against rush offenses and then also in third down defense, you're towards the bottom of the SEC standings against league opponents, it's going to be a problem. And that was the case for Alabama a year ago. Alabama in league games only on third down, 11th in the SEC, allowed conversions at a 40% clip against conference foes in 2019. So again, a lot to replace in the secondary and in the pass rush. So this will continue to be an area to certainly keep an eye on for 2020. Now, something that could help offset some of those concerns for Alabama is that you look around the league and it's a year of quarterback transition. Whether you're talking about LSU on the schedule, whether you're talking about Georgia on the schedule, uncertainty at Ole Miss in terms of which direction Lane Kiffin will go there with Matt Corral and John Rice Plumley. Expectations will still be high at Mississippi State with K.J. Costello stepping in there as the grad transfer for Stanford in year one under Mike Leach. 
And with that, we'll get into some special teams focus, an area where a little bit of a good news, bad news situation. In terms of the return game, you love what you welcome back in Jalen Waddell. As productive as he was against every opponent Alabama faced a year ago, Waddle was even more impressive in SEC play, averaging 26 yards per punt return and, of course, the memorable touchdown return against LSU. As far as punt return average in SEC play is concerned, Waddle was 11 yards better than the next guy, and that was Christian Tutt of Auburn. You consider kickoff returns in connection with Waddle as well. He had the 98-yarder for a touchdown against Auburn. Didn't have enough opportunities to qualify among SEC leaders from a statistical standpoint last year, but a healthy 35 yards per return on five runbacks of kickoffs a year ago for Jalen Waddle. And now we give you some of the bad news. Although, when it comes to place kicking, I think you might be a little bit surprised by the numbers I'm going to run at you. As far as punting goes in SEC play a year ago, Alabama was 13th in the league at 39.9 yards per punt. But hey, that was up from dead last in 2018. Field goals, Alabama, 8th in the SEC in terms of SEC play only in 2019, making 9 of 13 attempts, and probably feel a lot different about that total if it was 10 of 13, right? You just make the 30-yarder against Auburn, and you feel probably a good bit different, perhaps, about the situation going into 2020. Although I would contend that 9 of 13 is probably a good bit better than most of you folks expected. And that was down from third in the SEC where conference play is concerned in 2018. Joseph Bulovis two years ago made 10 of 12 field goals. That's 83% conversion rate in SEC play for Bulovis two years ago. But it isn't the total numbers that fans remember or media remember when it comes to place kickers. It's the kick in the biggest moments on the biggest stages and there's no argument that from that perspective Alabama's come up a little bit short or is it wide left or wide right or sometimes just too many times right right off one of those uprights that's going to do it for a Monday edition of the Built by Bama online podcast. Once again, if you haven't already, we would certainly appreciate you subscribing to the podcast at iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, you name it. Wherever you consume podcasts, you can join us on a regular basis here on the Built by Bama online podcast. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BOL. Hoping you have a great rest of your Monday.